Manisa and I had a good day yesterday. Our son Stephen, his wife Sarah, drove up from Columbia, spent the day with us celebrating mine and Sarah's birthdays. And so uh, Stephen and I watched the Kentucky-Tennessee basketball game and ate some chili I had made. And Manisa and Sarah uh, walked for about an hour and then went shopping. And then yesterday evening we went out to eat dinner together and came back, had cake and ice cream. And y'all need to really pray for me. I've eaten way too much cake and ice cream this week. It's been good and it's been bad, if you know what I mean. So I've really got to get serious this coming week, okay? I mean, I, I fixed me a cake and I sliced it and I put, and I put icing between every layer. That, that cake had about 9,000 calories and I've been eating on it for a week. One, one big slice a day. So then... The ice cream's extra. So you really got to pray for me this week, okay? But we had a good day. We had cake and ice cream last night and sat around the kitchen table and talked for a couple of hours, talked about the past, talked about the present, talked about the future, talked about people we know who are members of our family. Just, we just had a good time catching up. And I would guess that everybody in here has had a day similar to that at some point in your life, right? Where you just hung out with family, ate, watched ball games, Talk, just hung out and reconnected. And in, have, you, have you ever had a day like that? Those are good days. And it's just a reminder of how important relationships are, how important family is. And it's, it's relationships that make life fun and add meaning and joy to life. But here's the catch. Relationships are not easy. It takes a lot of work to maintain healthy Relationships. The reason it takes a lot of work is because of us, me and you. We're people. We're humans. And the truth is we're good, but we're also messed up. We're sinners, and we just do stuff sometimes. And the people that we're in relationship with, do they do stuff sometimes. It just means we've got to work to keep the relationship healthy and going, right? That's just how, how life is. It's never going to be totally, always, completely easy. It takes some work. And here's what happens a lot of times is there are these little things that irritate us. Any of you irritated by the love of your life, by members of your any of you ever get irritated by the people in your life, even by little bitty things? Anybody? Am I the only one that gets irritated? We all get irritated. But what happens is a lot of times we don't, deal effectively with those little irritations and over time they grow, they get worse, they fester, they create emotions, they create attitudes, they create self-talk and the relationship begins to suffer because what was once little is now big, what was once simple to solve is now more difficult to solve because we didn't handle it the right way along the way. And I, I just see that happening over and over and over. Several years ago, we were vacationing at the beach, and my family from Kentucky had come down. So we, there was a big group of us there, and one evening we went to uh, Medieval Times. And while we were there, Monisa's eyes started bothering her, and and it kept getting worse and more sore, and she wasn't eventually well, she wasn't able to see the program. So we left, and I took her to the ER, and it seems that one grain of sand had gotten behind her contact lens. It had scratched, irritated her eye. And so they, they helped her that evening. And then the following morning, our morning, I took her to an ophthalmologist. And then she had to have some follow-up treatment after that. And eventually it healed. And everything's, 
everything's fine. But we, we learned an important lesson. Even when you're just walking on the beach, don't wear contact lens. <laughs> because it just takes one small grain of sand to get in there and do, you know, create some irritation. But as time goes by, that one grain, that little irritation just gets worse and worse. And it creates the problem where it hurts and then you can't see. And that's how life is. That's how relationships are. That there are going to be grains of sand that get blown in your face. The people you love and the people you are in relationship with are going to do things that irritate you. And by the way, I've got really shocking news for you. You are going to do things that irritate them. And because we don't know how to deal with those, or we choose not to deal with them, they get bigger, they fester, they get worse. And relationships, as they they build up relationships, fall apart. So today, as we continue this sermon series, No Excuses, we're shifting our focus to relationships. Now, the first week we looked at our relationship with God. Don't, Don't make excuses when it comes to your relationship with Jesus Christ. Don't make excuses for not obeying Him, not growing. Last week, don't make excuses for not looking inside yourself and letting God fix what needs to be fixed inside of you. But today... Don't make excuses when it comes to your relationships because all of us do that and it never, ever helps. And and I want to ask, what would your life look like if for the next, next 30 days, for the next month, you did not make excuses when it came to your relationships? What kind of husband would you be? What kind of wife would you be? What kind of parent would you be? What kind of child? What kind of brother or sister would you be? What kind of friend would you be if for 30 days you didn't make excuses? What what, what kind of neighbor would you be? What kind of co-worker? What kind of classmate? How would your life look? How would it change if you stopped making excuses in your relationships with other people? So I want you to open your Bible, please, if you have it with you, to Luke chapter 10. If you have your your pad or your phone, you can go to the church app and and open it there as well. But uh, Luke chapter 10. We're going to look at a story of two sisters. Now, they had a brother, but he's not mentioned in this story. It's two sisters, okay? They loved each other, but in this story, one of them becomes irritated with the other over something small. And Jesus' reaction to her irritation surprised her. It also teaches us some important lessons about relationships about dealing with the small stuff and about not making excuses so we can have a healthy relationship. I think it will help us. So in your Bible, look with me, Luke chapter 10. Let's read together starting at verse 38. Everybody there, you got it? Luke chapter 10, verse 38. The Bible says as they were traveling along, this is Jesus and his disciples, he entered a village. Apparently the disciples went ahead of him into Jerusalem, so he's in this village. We know from the other Gospels it's the village of Bethany a few miles outside Jerusalem. And it says that a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister in verse 39 called Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, at Jesus' feet, listening to his word. And Martha, now notice this in verse 40, but Martha, she was distracted with all her preparations. And and she came up to him, she came up to Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care? Do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Now, this is a Steve Hogg paraphrase. Tell her to get off her you-know-what and help me. 
You ever gotten irritated at somebody you love? Martha's upset at Mary, her sister. Verse 41. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. I love this story for a lot of reasons. It's so human. It's so like us in so many ways. We know from the other Gospels, especially the Gospel of John, that this was a family that Jesus loved. He would sometimes stay in their home when he was in Bethany. It was a family that loved each other. As I mentioned, they had a brother named Lazarus. He's not named in this particular story. But in John's Gospel, Lazarus is the one who died. And then Jesus came and raised him from the dead. And when Lazarus died, these two sisters were weeping and they were heartbroken. This was a family that loved one another, that Jesus loved. He often stayed with. It was a tight-knit family. It was a good home, if you will. But in this story, Martha gets irritated with her sister Mary. And when you read the story, it seems that maybe she was justified because here's Martha working tirelessly to prepare this nice meal for Jesus, her guest, and her sister Mary, who lives in the home with her, is sitting over there on the floor by the feet of Jesus just listening to him. And here I can just imagine she's running around preparing the turkey and the stuffing and the sweet potato casserole and whatever it was she was cooking that day, getting it all ready, the big feast. And she's doing it all by herself, and she's got no help, and she's had it up to, you, you get the picture, And so she walks into the room and she lashes out. Jesus, don't you care? Make her help me. But Jesus' response is interesting. It tells us in verse 40 that Mary was distracted because of her much preparation. Jesus said to her in verse 41, Mary, you are, or Martha rather, Martha, you are worried and bothered about a lot of stuff. So what's really going on? Martha is preparing this big, elaborate meal for Jesus. And he had not asked for it. didn't need it, didn't necessarily want it. See, Jesus' life was busy and hectic. There were always crowds demanding his attention, and Jesus in the Gospels would often get away from the crowd. He'd find a place where he could retreat, where it could be quiet, less activity. And this is one of the homes he would go to. He's looking for a place to chill. He's he's looking for a place just to relax and hang out for a few hours to get away from it all. And I can imagine they're sitting around in that little house talking, kind of like we sat at the four of us sat at the kitchen table last night for two hours just talking, catching up. And, And Mary's sitting there participating, but Martha has it in her mind that what really needs to happen for this to be a great evening is we've got to have this big, old, fancy, extravagant dinner. And she's killing herself fixing it. 
And Mary's not helping her. And Jesus said, Martha, you are worried about so many things. You are distracted. And then he said, Martha, only one thing is needed. And that's got a couple of different meanings to it. But one meaning is Jesus is saying, Martha, I don't need the big meal. A ham sandwich will be fine. Well, here in America, ham sandwich, a Jew probably wouldn't eat that. But, you know. (laughs) Give me me a turkey sandwich. (laughs) Give me a bologna. You know. Give me something. But I don't need this. One thing's all I need. Ladies, ladies, do you ever go overboard? Huh? Ladies, do you ever go overboard? And how many times have you gone overboard when everybody was asking you to go overboard? And how many times have you gone overboard because you thought that's what everybody needed? Because you thought it would reflect poorly on you if you didn't. I'm just saying. Now, there was nothing wrong with what Martha was doing in terms of wanting to take care of Jesus. She knew that Jesus' life wasn't always easy. There were nights he slept on the ground under the stars and didn't have a pillow. She knew there were times he had really good meals and sometimes he didn't. And I'm sure her intentions were good out of the goodness of her heart. She was trying to be a blessing to him. So her motives were not wrong. But the problem was this. She had created for herself these expectations, this agenda. This is what is needed. This is what is wanted And she then started pushing her expectations, pushing her agenda, pushing her wants, pushing her needs on her sister. And if I could, you know, just paint the picture of the story a little bit, it's like Mary is sitting there listening to Jesus taking part in the conversation and and, and she's saying, big sis, chill. This is my agenda. This is what I want. This is more important. Big sis, that's you. I'm not letting you dump your agenda on me. I'm not letting you dump all your expectations on me. And because Mary was not allowing Martha's agenda to dictate her life and her agenda, Martha became irritated with her sister. But you see, in Martha's mind, she had a right to be. That's the reason she burst into the room and says, Lord, don't you care that she's letting me do all this work? Lord, don't you care? Make her help me. And Jesus said, Martha, there's only one thing that is necessary that is needed. In other words, I don't need the big fancy meal. And the other thing he was saying to her is, Martha, what Mary's doing, listening to my words, is more important than that big fancy meal. And you're allowing yourself to be distracted with good things, not bad things, but with good things that aren't necessarily the most important things. 
And now, because you have and you're worried about it, you're stressing out about it, you're hurting your relationship with your sister. Not because your sister's doing anything wrong. Was there anything wrong with what Mary was doing? No. Jesus said she was actually doing the better thing. But because Martha was stressing out about it, Martha was now in there being rude to Jesus and being rude to her sister. Because she's irritated. And folks, when we're irritated, guess what? When we're irritated, what do we do? We we lash out. And when we have all these little irritations in our life, if we don't deal with them appropriately, we lash out. And then can you imagine what would have happened if Jesus had not been there and intervened and said what he did? Can you imagine? I could, ju- I could just see it. I could just see it, Martha. My, you know, if Jesus hadn't done what he did, I could just see Martha and Mary going at it. Right? And that's what happens a lot of times. Now, all of a sudden, something that's really little escalates into a fight. And the fight, the words spoken do more damage than the original issue could ever have done. Now, let's be honest. Every one of us get irritated with people in our family. We all get irritated with our friends. We all get irritated with people at church. You get irritated with people at school, at work. It's life. We're human, right? We all get irritated. And, and sometimes our, our irritation is justified. Sometimes the other person actually does something wrong. Now, in this case, no, but sometimes they actually do something wrong, and we get irritated. But there are also many times when we get irritated, not because the other person did something wrong, we get irritated because the other person did not allow us to determine what had to be important to them. We get irritated because the other person would not allow us to set the agenda for their priorities in their life. We get irritated because they're not doing what we want them to do. True? Anybody ever been there? Hmm? A little honesty? You ever been there? You ever done that? Be honest. It's life. But see, here's the problem. If we're not careful, irritations distract us, as the Scripture says here. They distract us from Jesus and His Word. They hurt us spiritually. And, and if we're not careful, these kind of irritations cause us to focus on our agenda, our emotions, more than we focus on the relationship with the person. And suddenly what we wanted, what we expect, what we demand, our agenda becomes more important than the person, becomes more important than the relationship. And we begin all of this self-talk within ourselves to justify our irritation. And then as it builds and as it grows, we justify and make excuses for our anger and for how lousy that person is and why we have a right to feel that way. Now, does this sound like real-life stuff? But I want you to notice something, how Jesus did two things, how he loved Martha and how he corrected her and helped her. He looked at her and he said, Martha, Martha, 
the redundancy, used her name twice. That doesn't mean much to us, but in his culture, that meant a lot. It was, it was showing affection. It was showing love. You remember in the Old Testament when King David's son Absalom, who had rebelled against his dad and rebelled against the kingdom, but Absalom ultimately was killed. You remember how David responded when he heard that, that Absalom, his son, was dead, even though he had been rebellious. He was brokenhearted, and he cried like a baby. And, and David said, oh, my son, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom. And in their culture, when you repeated the name, it was a way of expressing deep emotion, deep love. You remember Jesus standing on the hill looking at the city of Jerusalem that would not accept him for who he really was? And it's almost like he's crying out in pain as Jesus says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how many times I would have gathered you like a chicken, like a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you wouldn't do it. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. There's such emotion in his voice. And Jesus is looking at Martha, and he says, Martha, Martha, I love you so much, but chill out. You're worried and bothered by too many things that aren't necessary. There's really only one thing necessary. And Martha, by the way, your sister whom you're irritated with, she, she, she has chosen a more important priority right now than, than you have. And I'm not taking it from her. Just, just because you got your priorities well-intentioned, yes, well-intentioned, absolutely. But just because you got your priorities a little bit distorted, well-intentioned but still distorted, and now you're irritated with your sister because she didn't do the same thing? She did it. Actually, Martha, I love you but she did it better than you. So Martha, the problem's not Mary. Martha, the problem is you. Can I give you some some lessons real quick. I hope you'll jot these down. Some of them, are, you may not be able to get them all. So if, if you don't, tomorrow go to the website, the church app. You can listen to the sermon. You can watch it. Uh, you can watch it on TV next Sunday, and, and you can write this down in more detail. But but just let me give you some lessons real quick, some practical, some practical things, okay? Here's the first one. Don't let little irritations build up. Instead, deal with them and deal with them the right way before they get big. Don't allow little irritations to build up and fester. Here's another one. Be careful that you're not putting your expectations on everyone else and then allowing their refusal to let you do that to become your excuse for being mad at them. Did you get that? Don't go around putting your expectations on everybody in your life and then when they refuse to accept your expectations, become your excuse for being mad at them. God may have a different agenda for their life than you have for their life.
they may be okay with that ham sandwich and not want a full feast. Here's another one. If you are so busy that you are distracted from relationships, you are too busy. Here's another one. If you are so busy that you have gotten your priorities out of whack, you are too busy. Here's another one. If you are so irritated with people that you find yourself being irritated with God, then you are probably part of the problem. And here's the biggest one of all. If you miss everything, please get this one. Here's the big one. Here, if you hear nothing else this morning, hear this. This is the big one. Relationships matter more. That's it. Relationships matter more. Church, what did I just say? All right, three words. Say them back to me again. Come on. One more time. Isn't that what the cross proves? Because if anyone had a right to have holy indignation and let us suffer the consequences of our actions and behaviors and attitude, it was God. But God said relationship matters more. Do you get it? Well, if you and I are going to have relationships that remain healthy, we better have that same attitude because as a husband, as a wife, as a brother, as a sister, as a friend, if my agenda matters more than the relationship, guess what? The relationship's not going to last through everything. Relationships matter more. Now, two of the better-known preachers in America today, Charles and Andy Stanley in Atlanta, father and son, two different generations, both pastor really large churches. Um, a little while back, Charles Stanley celebrated his 80th birthday. And his son, Andy, spoke at his church. To, um, as a tribute to his dad. And uh, he, he choked up during the sermon a couple of different times and called his dad his hero. And by the way, Andy's church has quadrupled his dad's church in attendance. About 33,000 people on the average weekend hear Andy preach in one of their campuses. Um. In his sermon, and, and I, wa- I, I, I watched it, uh, the, a broadcast of it on TV a while back. I don't know if any of you saw that, that service broadcast or not, or maybe watched it online. If you didn't, you may want to go to YouTube and watch it. It's a great message, about 20 minutes, great message. He preaches normally longer than that, like me, but uh, that day he didn't. Um, but in his message, he, he, he talked about four life lessons he had learned from watching 
his dad. Now, what's interesting is that Andy and Charles, this dad and son, the, their relationship was not always close. There was a period for a few years when their relationship was very, very strained. And there was a lot of anger between them and a lot of hurt and a lot of disappointment. And I'm, I'm 56 years old. I started pastoring when I was 19, and I've learned that there's a lot of people, a lot of people, who have strained relationships with someone in their family. I would guess that a large number of the people sitting here right now listening to me or those watching on TV, you, you have strained relationships with some of your relatives. That's how life works. And, and there are some of you listening right now, you love Jesus and you try to live a good life, a righteous life, a biblical life, and you have strained relationships with people in your family, don't you? Well, that's where they were. A lot of different reasons for it. One, one contributor was back in the 90s when Andy's mom, Anna, filed for divorce from Andy's dad, from Charles Stanley. And that went on for a few years, and finally, I think it was around 2000, they were, they were divorced, Charles and Anna Stanley. And there was a lot of hurt. Now, some of you have gone through divorce. Is there hurt in the family when that happens? Hmm? Hmm? Yeah, there was. There was. There were other issues. For about ten years, Andy was on staff with his dad. He he was pastoring a satellite church of First Baptist, where Charles is pastor. And at one moment in their relationship, Andy resigned. Without a church to go to, without anything to do, he just resigned. And his dad, Charles, felt betrayed. And I could go on and on. They, they just had some real issues, just like some of us have issues. And, and so the relationship was strained. And as I said, there was hurt and, and there was anger. And, and they have since reconciled and they've spoken about it very candidly. And Andy admits that it was his dad, Charles, who was really the key to them being reconciled. It wasn't Andy. It was Charles. Because when their relationship was at its worst, every week Charles would call his son and ask him to meet him for lunch at a Mexican restaurant. They both like Mexican. And for a long time, those meetings were not comfortable. They didn't know what to say to each other. They didn't know how to talk. But they did it anyway. And then Charles Stanley started going to counseling. And at one point asked his son Andy to go with him. And it wasn't always easy for them in those sessions to work through their issues, but they stuck with it. And as I, as, as I mentioned, their relationship is healthy. I mean, here's Andy now speaking at his dad's church for his 80th birthday. They, they speak at each other's church. They have a great relationship today. But I want you to hear something that Andy Stanley's wife said about the two of them. Here's what she said. Now listen. She said they weren't, they were not too smart, too spiritual, or too proud to allow somebody to come in and help them navigate all that anger. Their relationship with one another was more important than their pride. And I got to tell you as a pastor, 
Most of the time when I get a phone call from a couple wanting to talk, saying we need some help, it's because they have allowed the little things to build up over the years until big things started happening. And, and they come to see me. It's almost like they're being drug into the ER, the emergency room. When it's a thousand times more difficult to fix it than it would have been if they had not allowed all those little irritations to build up over all those years that then resulted in them doing some really stupid things and hurtful things to one another. And if I sound a little passionate, i got to tell you as a pastor, the single biggest burden on my heart is that marriages are in crisis in this country and young couples, for the most part, don't know how to have healthy relationships that last. And it's heartbreaking. And we're hurting one another, isolating ourselves from one another, Because we won't do what needs to be done to have a great relationship, to learn how and to fix things within ourselves. It's just easier to be irritated and blame. And it's heartbreaking. We have had Sunday school classes in this church disintegrate because so many couples in those classes got divorced. And we're not unique. That's America today. And if you need counseling, get it. And don't wait until it's a crisis to get I plead with you. I beg with you, don't wait until it's a crisis. You know, there's an old business adage. It's a lot easier to keep a customer than find a new one. Well, just relate that to life and to relationships and to marriage. Word to the wise. Andy Stanley, who was a little more resistant than his father. Y'all give me a couple more minutes. I'm, I'm going a little bit long, but bear with me. I hope it will help you. He said the turning point for him, the turning point for him was in an individual counseling session, just him and his counselor. And he looked at his counselor and, 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 and he said he felt like, he told his counselor that he felt like he had bent again and again, but his dad wasn't changing. So Andy asked the counselor, when can I give up on my relationship with my dad? And the counselor said, when your heavenly father gives up on his relationship with you. In the sermon I listened to, to that Andy preached at his father's 80th birthday, Celebration. Four life lessons he learned from his dad. You know what the fourth lesson was? The last one and the most important one. He said, here's what I learned from my dad. That family is worth fighting for because he fought for me. He fought for our relationship. Now, if you're going to do that, you got to deal with the small stuff. you got to look in the mirror Be willing to grow. Be willing to change. Be willing to look inside yourself. Not just burst into the room like Martha, irritated and screaming, but you got to look in the mirror and say, what about me? If you're going to have healthy relationships over the long haul. If you're going to have healthy relationships, you're going to maintain them, you got to learn how to forgive, and you've got to learn to let some stuff go. Now, babe, I didn't get your permission to do this, so, you know, 
I, you know, I, I normally, anytime I'm going to say anything about my wife or one of our children, I, I tell them ahead of time, but I, I didn't, this one. I did tell her about the beach and the eye thing, but my beautiful, sweet, precious, kind, gentle, loving, great, incredible, gorgeous wife. Does not like, does not enjoy closing drawers and doors. And I have spent a big part of our married life closing doors and drawers. And I will confess there have been times when in irritation I closed them rather forcefully. Now I know you have a hard time believing that, don't you? But you know, we've been married almost 32 years. March will be 32 years. And, and I'm learning, we're learning to kind of make a joke about it. Because she's never going to change. Okay? She's not. It's 32 years and she's still that way. She's not changing. That's her. And so I have a choice to make. I can be irritated all the time. Or I can turn it into a joke and let it go. And you see what a lot of couples do is these little irritations that they start saying things and acting out on and doing things. And the next thing you know, there's cuts and there's wounds and there's hurts. And they get bigger and bigger and they get added to and added to and added to. And after years of that, they have killed each other. Stop it. Stop it. Stop justifying it. Stop making excuses for doing that to each other. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. And let it go. The relationship matters more. Fight for the relationship. Not fight for the right to... And I'm about 90% there, okay, on, on the doors. I'm not 100, I'll be honest. But I'm, I'm about 90 now. A few years ago, I was less than 90. Let it go. Grow. Because, you know, having her out of my life and all the doors closed, what kind of life is that? Having her in my life and those doors open is a thousand times better life. Do you get what I'm saying? Do, church, do you hear me? Young married couples, do you hear me? Young wives, do you hear me? Dads, do you hear me? Well, let's stand.